Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tarty to the Party, a podcast where Bill Mudrin and Daniel Rudis fill their pop culture holes with the bits of media they have missed throughout the years. This week, Daniel Rudis will be filling his pop culture hole with Citizen Kane. We're going to spackle that shit over. We're going to fucking buff it to a nice wacky shine. It's going to be like, mm. we're going to buff the dents out of that hole. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. It's going to be sparkling. No more holes left afterwards. So, Susan Kane. Yep. I didn't see it when it came yes. out because I wasn't born. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I think our grandparents were born. I Technically, my grandpa. Oh, my grandparents were definitely born. My, gra- my grandparents uh, were <laughs> fighting the fucking uh, f- fascists in the fucking I think Italy at the My time. grandpa was born in the 1800s. So, yes, my grandpa Your was grandpa? born. grandpa? Yeah. What? Yeah. My dad was born like 1920s. Like, how old are? Wait, were you when you were conceived? Were your parents like 70? <laughs> they were already 105. <laughs> no, my grandpa was born in like 1897 or something like that. Oh, okay, it's not that bad. He could have been so, one of the Magnificent Ambersons. Yeah. Oh, wow. He could have been. No, movie. because he was a decent human. Oh being. God, we're not talking about the Magnificent so, Ambersons this week. We're talking about a good movie. Yeah. This so, is well, awesome. did you think it was a good movie? It's a little too early for that verdict. We'll save that for later. Yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. So, give me a backstory on Citizen Kane. My backstory, or I'll give you a backstory. Yeah, you. you, This is your movie. So, so what I knew about Citizen Kane going into it was, uh, I guess that's always going to be your first question for this stuff. It's like, what's your experience? Yeah, Rosebud is. I knew the twist. That's what everyone knows. Everybody knows Rosebud. Um, I knew the clapping dot gif. Orson Welles. I the forgot that being a big thing. Uh, yeah, and for people who don't know, if you've seen the Orson, if you've seen Orson Welles doing the black and white clap gift, that is from Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. That is actually probably more than Rosebud. Now that's probably that movie's lasting legacy with the internet yeah, generation. I knew yeah. that Rosebud, or I knew he was a newspaper mogul in the movie. I knew he based it off of some newspaper mogul Wells actually hated in real life. Mm-hmm. And I knew that the mogul that he hated in real life, Rosebud, was the nickname he gave his wife's clitoris. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what a I clever, clever. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I knew some other stuff going into it, but those are the main points that I knew going into it. So uh, Citizen Kane is a movie about uh, a kid. Okay, what? Okay, you're gonna have to fill me it's in a on kid some holes here. He finds an alien in a shed. Yeah, it was. There was a weird twist, and then I think it was the the introduction to Orson Welles's uh, War of the Worlds series, uh, which you know. Have yeah. you ever listened to that? No. <laughs> yeah, I will. That's um, a, that's like ninety minutes long, and that's uh, <laughs> next week. We're also going to continue our Orson Welles streak. No. That is actually really good. I think that you yeah, talk we'll, about your we'll stuff. I can freak out about my so, experience with Orson Welles. Uh, it's basically about the rise and fall of of uh, Kane, and yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about <laughs> it more as we go. Because I mean, yeah, I could go through it beat by beat and talk about it. But the movie opens. Yeah, I don't know if you want to do that again because you you were the, a good note taker. That's what you did for many so, ever since. Whereas I'm on the other side of the table. I just know the movie, so I'm just gonna be like, "What'd you think of this? What'd you think of that?" Well, okay. Did you see the scene so, with the deleted monkey with the handgun? The movie starts with. Uh, what's his first name? Uh, Alphonse. Alfonso Rivero dying. Alphonse. I just thought Alphonse Kane. <laughs> uh, it's fucking. I uh, want to call him Citizen. Is that not his name, Citizen Kane? No, his first name is not Citizen. <laughs> it's Charles Foster Kane. Yeah, Charles Kane. It, it's the same. The initials. movie opens with Chicken Fucker Kane with a uh, a lovely matte painting of Kentucky Fried. Was chicken. it Xanadu? What is it Xanadu? Uh, 
Yeah, Xanadu. Xanadu, the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's his house. The house that he built. Yeah. It opened up with uh, shots of it in the background, a lovely matte painting of that, and a changing foreground of various things and the Kubla credits and Khan stuff. Decreed. And, um, yeah, and a voiceover, booming voiceover talking about... I love that newsreel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but he dies and on his deathbed, and he drops a snow globe, and it shatters, and he's like, whoa, he's bad. This is the thing most a people close know up about. Of, yeah. of the mustache to show that he was an old man, <laughs> because that's because how or- Orson Welles does have a childish <laughs> viewpoint of like, why do we make people look old? A mustache. Yeah. yeah. And and I am convinced that Orson Welles, when he got older, the reason why he had the big beard is because if he he could not if he shaved it mustache, off, he'd be young again. He didn't want he did not want to look like Kane as he got older, so that's why he did the big wall. Well, also, just sheer laziness. And also, it was a good French fry suppository. Yeah, but it also looked me <laughs> looked like a badass. French fry suppository. That's even worse than what I was getting at. But yeah, this beard is for catching my French fries. <laughs> Um, uh, but and then it goes to like newspaper headlines of, of uh, newspaper mogul dies, richest man alive dies, blah blah yeah. blah, and then it goes to it's got this 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 footage uh, with a booming voiceover of about his life and how he lived and Rawson Wells, a man on the march. Now he's dead. Long dead. It's kind of how it is. Now Hello. he's dead. Goodbye. Da, 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 so long. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, and then it does the thing where, like, the... the this is going to be complicated because it's not told in sequential order. Yeah. So, like, the, the film, telling the story the of film does that now. thing yeah. where it's ending and then you it's a bunch Gremlins of... Gremlins have been running for the projector. Oh, it turns into a whole different movie. Yeah. Hulk Hogan stands up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says a bunch of Rachel slurs. It was really weird. Is that the- <laughs> video version of yeah no that was a theatrical version the video version was something different something yeah okay anyway, but, uh, <laughs> this is neither here or there uh the um so then it's a room a room full of of media guys talking about that oh, that was fine and dandy it was all good it was but it was boring it didn't tell me anything about the man we don't know anything more than we did when we first went in Tell we know him. he's dead. Yeah, we know that he's dead. Know. That much we know. Yeah. Uh, what about his last words? What did they mean? What were they? Rosebud. Yeah, Rosebud. <laughs> Go find out what Rosebud meant. Maybe it was a woman. Maybe it was a, a beloved dog. Maybe it was a pet. Go find out. It has to be something. Find out what it was. It was There's like, a real story. Yeah. And then they send out one of the reporter guys to find out what Rosebud meant. And throughout the movie, he interviews different people, reads different things, and constructs the story of Citizen Kane, uh basically to find out what Rosebud was. It's essentially Rashomon before Rashomon was made where you're finding out about a story from multiple perspectives from like a broken narrative so it's jumping around in time because he's talking to different people and yeah. So uh, he goes to visit Orson Welles not Orson well I might as well call him Welles I can call him Welles he and, goes, and, and Citizen yeah. Kane Kane and, and Welles are kind of like interchangeable in a yeah way, Welles plays way. Citizen Kane in this obviously as well as directing and writing it my favorite part of Die Hard is when Die Hard jumps out the window my favorite part of Citizen Kane was in sitting Citizen Kane breaks up that room it's all good <laughs> so so he goes he starts off by going to visit Citizen Kane's most recent wife but she is he goes to see her at, like, a lounge act. Yeah, she all fucked up. And she's basically drunk out of her gourd and is like, Get out of here! Go, why did you yeah. get out of here? Yeah. She's all like, Nyeh. Yeah. She basically stepped she right out. She crazy makeup. Her eyes look all moony and shit. She's scary. She, yeah, she looks like, uh, she um... Like, 
She looks like a goblin and like she a looks dark, like ra- dark house ride. She, at the, in that part of the movie, I was like, she looks like Drew Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, the moody eyes are yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, but, it was also an ET. We're going looping background to that. The kid drives finding what? an alien in a shed. That was a horror. Oh, okay, I guess that was a all right. Yeah. Well, anyway, having <laughs> two different podcasts. So he's unable here. to talk to her. So he goes to basically he goes to read. I had to think about this. So yeah, he, he goes, goes to, to a read, library. I don't. It's not a library. No, but he goes to like yeah. What is that place? I guess it's the There's guy's a statue trust? of an old dude. Yeah, it's kind of like his. Not his house. His trust or something. Some kind of like some... He, it's yeah. basically he goes... Gets, Mausoleum? Yeah, he gets to read the memoirs of a very famous, powerful man who adopted Cain? Raised him? That's even now, so, these, these days, I'm not quite sure how that worked out. Yeah, so... Bank essentially becomes... So then he starts to read this, yeah. this... This diary, basically, of this guy, and it flashes back to Cain as a child playing in the snow outside, and then we go push into the house where... Kane's mother is very stoic and quiet, and his father is obviously an abusive drunkard and mess. He's like, I don't want the boy sent away, even if his life is better for him. I don't think he should stay right here. Everyone sounds like Pepperidge Farms. Yeah, Pepperidge Farms remembers. And, uh, schmuckers. And, um, <laughs> but she's like, it's none of your business because your name's not on the the birth certificate or whatever, I guess. So the reason so why, the father yeah. has, has no legal right to say he can't go. But why is Kane getting sent off to Chicago with this? This Kane is getting sent off to Chicago dude. because, um, so Kane's parents own a boarding house. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the Colorado mountains, and one of the boarders, uh, I guess he didn't have enough money to pay for his uh, room and board, and so he gave them what he thought was the useless deed to a silver mine that he had been working but he couldn't find anything. Turns out that silver mine is actually a huge mother load of silver, uh, which automatically makes Kane's parents the third richest people in the country. And so... So then why are they still living in poverty in the house? I guess they've house? just figured this out. Like, they're just suddenly, like, they're just, like, working why didn't the details they... of what's going to happen in the future. And is, does only Kane get the money then? Or, or Baby it's, Kane? So Baby Kane, he only gets... He gets the entirety of the fortune when he, when he uh, becomes 25. But okay. for right now, the mother has decided, rather than him being raised in Colorado, or rather than the whole family uprooting somewhere better... What she's going to do is that she and her husband are going to stay in Colorado, but they're going to essentially – they've had one of the guys from the bank who they've put in charge of the mine is also going to be charged – in charge of raising Citizen Kane. Okay. They call him Citizen Kane too, or his own mother is kind of really just fucking cold. <laughs> she really, but she really saw the future. She's Citizen Kane, you are a citizen of this country. Technically, I nothing keeps me from calling you Citizen Kane. Um, impression. And so yeah, she essentially like like just for the well, she thinks she's doing good by the kid because like she figures, uh, like the bank can give this kid an you know an actual like you know full well rounded education take them all over the world yeah and yeah which I've never heard of banks just like raising children before well I'm assuming it's not just the bank I'm sure it's not like they have a daycare at the bank but it was I'm the sure early like 1900s I mean yeah and especially because it seems like one of the founders of the bank is the guy that, who comes out to like take bank, ownership of... banks were people back then that's yeah. Cool. yeah and that hasn't changed <laughs> at nope. all um oh Christ oh God so time is just a circle. So um, basically, this guy's like, "You're gonna come with me. You're gonna have a fine life. We're gonna take him to Chicago. You're Washington, gonna see D. all D. sorts of things." And then Kane hits him with a sled. Yeah, and then runs away. And then we cut to his... that kid they chose to play, little kid, him. 
looks like yeah, pretty it, good Orson yeah. Welles. Yeah. Uh, but then I guess he accepts and goes with them, and then we cut to, or oh, there might be something to, between. But then there's a Christmas where Baby Kane is opening up his gift, and it's another sled. Yeah, I guess for whatever reason. And the reason. bank guy is like, "Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas!" And there's another jump for like twenty years. Yeah, and Happy New Year. Yeah, and suddenly. Oh, he's saying, uh, so when the banker says, it jumps forward 20 years, and he says, Happy New Year, he's no longer talking current, uh, to Kane directly, but he's uh, dictating Happy New Year and the rest of this letter to uh, someone else who's sending a letter off to Kane, uh, so essentially telling Kane uh, about, he's about to become 25 and become, become uh, come Inco- into the ownership of everything yeah, of, his, of his parents' uh, fortune now. And so uh, this this banker guy saying, hey, uh, Happy New Year. You're going to be 25 soon. Uh, here's a list of everything, of all your stuff that you're going to be inheriting. And this is me telling you what the story is, I guess. But yeah, I had to sort well, that no, out you're for not a moment, telling, but that's You're not that's telling me, you're telling the audience. The audience. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's you, what Which would there. be you and me. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> Jerk off to the sounds of each other's voices. Mm. So then, uh, what happened next? Uh, basically, Kane. It's weird because he has they stories him, jump around and stuff. You can tell yeah. about what happens in his life versus what happens in the movie because that's well, a little he, easier to, this, to work this, through. This, this bank mogul basically tells Kane, like, um, here are here are a bunch of stocks you can invest in. It would be wise if you did this to increase your money in Citizen Kane. <laughs> I like to keep calling him <laughs> Citizen Kane. He basically says... When Star Wars gets his hand cut off. He's so, basically so like, cool. there's a newspaper. I'd like to run this newspaper. I always thought it would be fun to run a newspaper. And he's like, fun to run a newspaper? <laughs> the very idea. And so he's like, well, that's what I'm going to do. And he buys a newspaper... Yeah, it's like the first thing he does when he finally gets out of college. Yeah. Yeah. The Inquirer, uh, and he basically starts running this newspaper. And is that... The, is the, No. The scene where he first goes into the newspaper is later, right? Yeah, and it's also shown from multiple perspectives. Yeah, well, that's the first that, one he first enters. Yeah. But then, like, his first day there is kind of shown from, like, it kind of gets split up a little. Yeah. Yeah. But I think... I think... No, no. Oh, God. I think maybe when he first shows up, it's, it's then told from the story of the third person yeah so that the interview guy in the present day goes to interview which is bernstein uh citizen kane's manager yeah super stereotypically old jewish guy i was gonna say that's that guy was money i like that guy i like money yeah Yeah, i was like zoyberg yeah i was like that guy actually he's got my favorite scene in the whole movie which is when he's talking about the girl in the white dress yeah i love that scene that's a great little scene yeah but uh, uh, one of the few people that doesn't have a mustache when he's older, just <laughs> bald. Um, but uh, so what else happens with the memoir stuff? So he really, it really does. It, the memoir that uh, the uh, reporter guy reads out is pretty much from when that banker really took control of Kane to pretty much the point where Kane buys the newspaper, and yeah. then Bernstein pretty much takes over. Yeah. So. Uh, and I, I watched this the the Blu-ray the uh, the 70th anniversary Blu-ray of that. That is a gorgeous transfer on this. Yeah, this Blu-ray looks. That's the other thing too, because like we're fantastic. talking about how ugly uh, Magnificent Ambersons looks in comparison to this movie. I think we're watching a terrible copy taken from the internet versus Citizen Kane. We're watching on like a brand new yeah. Blu-ray transfer. And it looks really good, rock yeah. solid, super dark. Looks like it could have been nice made the gothic. other day. Yeah. Oh, going back a little bit, I can't see like the old timey RKO logo at the very beginning. 
watching a movie without thinking of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Really? I've only seen that a couple times. So like, it's not. Well, there's a whole scene head. like at the very end where oh, where well, Frankenfurter. It's, it's, it's the science fiction yeah. horror. Sh- like it's the whole like yeah, I'm going back. Yeah. It's in the swimming pool and everything. Yeah. Right? Is that yeah. is that the logo that like the old timey logo yeah. of the show? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I can't I can't see that without doing it. Aww. And a lot of this watching this for the first time, I was like. I see this movie obviously heavy and heavily influenced the design and filming of Ed Wood. I could see that, yeah. Because the shadows and the feel and everything, I felt like a lot of the scenes could have been taken out of this movie and directly put into Ed Wood, and they would feel exactly in place. And kind of movie. stylized and kept off yeah. kind of like like heightened reality. I mean, because yeah. Ed Wood is one of the most un um... sexy. No, what the fuck is it? American? I just had a brain fart on his name. Uh, the director. Uh, Tim Burton. Yeah, it's one of the most oh, yeah, un-Tim burton like, Tim yeah. Burton movies. Yeah. And I think it's that, actually a real movie, not yeah, just Tim Burton I'm, jerking I'm, off I, two hours. I feel it's, it feels like Citizen Kane yeah. with the way it's shot in the shadows and everything. In the movie. It's true. Yeah. V- voice. When I was on a cane. Voice, voice, voice yeah. by... Uh, Maurice Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know the the old age makeup and stuff of old Kane and whatnot. It's pretty good for the time. Pretty I mean, if it time. was in color, it does look like a weird egghead. Yeah, if it was done in color, it would probably look absolutely atrocious and terrible. Yeah, because it's probably all pancake but, makeup and stuff. Uh, but life for black and white for this, not that bad. Yeah, the, especially for how young Orson Welles looks when he's young in yeah. this movie. Although he's he's talking about it's not so much they had to make him look old as that like he's he he claims that they had to spend just as much time making him look young in that movie <laughs> so he could look even that much older like at the end of the movie so it's not like when you see him when he's when he's 25 it's and what, taking over the newspaper not, he's not he, quite as as impressive as baron munchausen's old age makeup oh no, that is that is that may be the best old age makeup I think, ever no that is the best old age makeup ever nothing has um, ever top beautiful ladies beautiful ladies you're gonna hear that a lot on this podcast probably oh man <laughs> beautiful, beautiful ladies why you and i are friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god! So, it freaks me out to think John Neville like he was only like he was only like sixty when they made that movie too. Yeah. So, um, so my next note is when King goes into the newspaper to buy, and I think it just starts punching people. <laughs> he starts yeah. a fight club. <laughs> yeah, it was really it was quite a turn for it. <laughs> yeah. Let's put your dukes up and then punch punch. punch. <laughs> I can take you. Yeah. Uh, oh, we should go back and say that the uh, right away the beginning of this movie when. Uh, Kane drops his snow globe and it bursts on the floor is the opening of the Bobo episode of The Simpsons. Uh, oh, we're going back where, to Sissy. That's what episode yeah, we're back where, to. We where it burns his boo-boo and he drops the snow globe and it shatters on the ground. And, okay. and See, Smithers comes in and the reflection on the snow globe is is mocked. They didn't do that much detail. Yeah, it was, I think it was pretty it's much a, a shot, I've seen that episode, shot for yeah. shot remake of that, epi- oh, that's of that fucking portion. Hilarious. So yeah. uh, if you've seen that episode of The Simpsons, you've basically seen The Simpsons game. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, Kate and Mr. Burns pretty much on the same level of just kind of like awfulness. So, and, yeah. uh, I, I guess nothing else really of consequence happens in the, in my memory of, uh, him reading that stuff, except he doesn't find out what Rosebud means. So he yeah. goes on to interview the next person who is, uh, Captain Jewey McJuderson. Mc, on his is, boat made of money and his yeah. neurotic hands. Kane, yeah. what are now, you doing? <laughs> I feel bad calling him Jewey McJuderson, but really, this guy is. 
Like I hate to say it, I but some like, stereotypes no, no, no. are born out of reality. That's I, an old Jewish actor playing an old Jewish comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this guy is kind of where the stereotype came from. Yeah. Oh, that's entirely possible because like early Hollywood, like, eh, money. It's not like he's always talking about money too. He's, no, he's an actual character. He do, he's not just like the boss. And he doesn't always sound like a. But he is big stereotypical like, Jew, but like certain times old Jewish guy with bald glasses yeah, kind of certain like, times he'll say something and you're like whoa hold it back a little bit which is funny because like um like even the way he speaks he has kind of like the slightly backwards kind of like construction of sentences yeah. which like I in preparation for this episode I actually read the Citizen Kane shooting script which actually that dialogue is scripted in there when he's like you want I should do this you know that yeah. kind of speak you know slightly kind of Yiddish kind of stuff mm-hmm. um yeah, it is a little unfortunate, too, because when little the known fact. first meets him, he's like, oh, there's no trick to making money if all you want to do is make money. Little you know? known fact, Yoda was based on this character. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of look like, if you told me that, I'll believe it. Because, so so yeah. the newspaper guy goes to interview, what's his? What's this guy's name? The end. Oh, Bernstein? Yeah, the, Bernstein. The manager, okay, yeah. He goes to interview Bernstein, and Bernstein tells a story about how Kane... His, like he goes into this newspaper, the Inquirer, the newspaper is taking over, and he walks in, and all the news people people are standing up and being, you know, and this guy that's running the newspaper when he goes in has the most outrageous like silent film actor faces he's making he's blowing out his cheeks and he's like, making all the these faces that <laughs> yeah that if you could if you could vocalize the faces he's making it's basically <laughs> so I guess that that scene takes place like 1895. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, like, the insinuation is those newspaper guys have been locked away in this, like, newspaper building for, like, the last 30 years without ever changing fashion or anything like that. So they're almost supposed to be, like, Victorian, well, Victorian America, but, like, mid-19th uh, century kind of, like, like, they've got little pocket watches. And yeah. They, they kind of look like they could have been, like, writing the newspaper during the fucking Civil War. Well, they look like they've been working for Scrooge. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's, like, it's almost Dickensian. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, yeah, like, and he moderns the shit out of that place. Yeah. Yeah. I do like he doesn't actually kick out the editor. He's just like, we're going to park in your office for a well, while. Well, no, he's like, I'm going to be living in your office Yeah, he brings on. in that so that opening scene is them bringing, uh, Bernstein shows up with the beds and the paintings and everything. So, like, they start furnishing his, the edi- the editor's main office turns into uh, the, the fucking bedroom for Kane. So this was obviously, I feel like this was obviously new for the time of, and the actors weren't used to it and they didn't know how to do it is talking over each other. Yeah, it gets a little... Because one actor will be talking and then another will kind of interrupt him uh, and talk over him and that'll cause the first actor to stop. But it feels so stuttered and unnatural. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like a natural conversation because I don't feel like any of the actors had been doing it that way. Yeah. I felt like they were just reading lines and saying something th- and stopping when the lines were supposed to stop rather than kind of continuing the line and stopping I think naturally. It didn't flow, you know? I think that's something Wells wanted to bring over from radio because on radio they, they had been doing that for a while. Because, you know, radio presentations, you could have people kind of... Yeah. Like, especially if they're supposed to be, like, hurried action, big crowds and stuff like that, there would be people speaking over. Whereas in films, we're still very much turn-based yeah. in terms of like how people communicate and obviously with each other. some some of the actors were not yeah and so for that you've and got like some people well. are used to kind of the radio approach where that's a little more flexible and you have some people who were actually like yeah stage actors or uh, film actors who were a little bit more yeah so you get it gets a little doesn't quite match that well yeah, in the film, yeah. so then uh wells writes down a ultimatum basically or whatever that says truth before anything no compromises will never be yeah he puts that it's the front page of the first paper yeah. he publishes yeah well, it's it's a declaration of, of 
principles, I An think. Intent or something like yeah. that, yeah. And it's basically... Surrender Dorothy. Yeah, surrender Dorothy. Um, or it's else. Sky Rider, yeah. Yeah, or else I'll eat this lion. So, so then uh, he goes outside and it shows... The circu- it says the name of the paper, the Inquirer, and the circulation. And then it uh, soft cuts to a rival company, and their circulation is like three times, six times. Yeah, because I think the Inquirer's newspaper is like 25,000, and like the, there's, there's a rival newspaper is like 600,000 yeah. or something. Yeah. So, so Wells is looking in the window, and he's like, it's got a photo of like these 12 dudes. Yeah, that's one of the cool technical pers- Yeah, I think this is one of the coolest bits yeah, of the movie. Yeah, these know? 12 dudes sitting in chairs, and, and Wells is like, it took them 40 years to handpick everything and get all these guys Yeah, he's guys looking at a photo there. of the editor. Yeah, uh, all the, the editors. The editors on, uh, yeah, of that it took rival them, newspaper. It took them 40 years to get all these editors, and it'll take me four months and cut it'll it kind of zooms into that that photo yeah, it of doesn't them even cut. it just zooms and, in. and then it kind of morphs into them getting that photo taken at the inquirer now where he's basically stolen all these guys yeah, from just the walks other paper into the shot and suddenly yeah it's no longer just a still photo but it's an actual life and then shot there, him there's a around. big celebration dinner which brings us to the second simpsons reference that i noticed <laughs> oh yeah which there is a man song which is sung at uh the the retirement party for the one guy I mean, in, in the Simpsons? Thing. No, it's an earlier really? one. Really? Okay. Yeah, you remember the retirement party uh, for the guy? Um, Not like Mole Man or anything? No, no, no. At the nuclear power there plant. Is a man. Nuclear power plant. Uh, <laughs> where... See, I thought you were talking about the retirement castle. Uh, no, but, but there's a, a party for him. It's just a... a, a a loose character, not not anybody. Oh yeah, you ever they just kind of really make up again. a character to have retired. Yeah, there's a man Simpsons. And um, but yeah, then they then Smither they start singing the song. There is a man. Oh yeah, there is a man. Got, like, and the top hats and everything. And like this guy's kind of oh, this guy's kind of getting more excited as Smithers is singing that song. And then he says, "It's Mr. Burns." And the guy's like, "What the fuck? Oh, no. I thought this was supposed to be for me." Because if you, even if you bring it up, just a Google search of "There is a man," Simpsons like Burns is doing the same kind of like high yeah. chested kind of like dance that like, Wells is doing in that scene. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. So and, and I've obviously not seen that episode since I've like, since I've really like digested. It's a pretty early a episode. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's funny. So yeah, that was another reference in this, uh, and that whole scene felt weird. Really? That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. No, it was an entertaining. Well, scene, it, 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 it is the lynch. It's weird. the turning point in the movie where it's also weird to have Kane celebrating himself so open facedly. Yeah, and I do like that. It's it, Joseph Cotton is in the movie who I really liked in, uh, in Glorious Bastards. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he's he. He the, played like, a Jew hunter. Yeah, in which he, he spent the whole movie sharpening his life, just like looking at Bernstein going. Oh, okay. <laughs> Turn back, I'll go uh-huh. that little shiny little bald scalp. I'm gonna take it. Uh, wait, no, that's that's reverse one. Uh, but yeah, no, um, that scene is really I like originally. I guess that was supposed to take place in a whorehouse, and the uh, motion picture, you know, the overseers in the Hollywood, are like you can't do that. That's you can't have a whorehouse. So they just moved it. So like it's insinuated they just cleared out a bunch of furniture at the editorial floor yeah. of the newspaper so it's like in their offices but they've cleared out all the space and they're all kind of singing and dancing and stuff but hmm. it's a cool party you got the girls dancing and everything like that yeah and like you know kane's kind of celebrating himself and it's kind of the last so, time everyone's actually really happy in that movie so they show like the headlines that the inquirer has and they're all a bunch of sensationalist headlines yeah like woman missing presumed dead husband's possibly murderer but 
you know, nobody's pursuing the woman's dead or whatever. And then yeah. he was like, go tell, go pose as a police officer to talk to the husband and tell him that he, if he doesn't produce her immediately, we'll have him arrested. Yeah, this is when that kind of thing. So decides it's not enough just to track the news, but you have to start fucking with the news well, to make the news. Even he does better. that pretty early on. Yeah. So what was his intent, like front page intent thing, useless? No, it seems like he went away from that immediately it's not that he knows he wants results he wants to find out what happened to people he thinks he's helping people okay and like i think well i think he does the uh, the the declaration of principles and then you see how he's going about it if i remember correctly in the film uh because the declaration of principles is the first that i that is as soon as he gets it, it, it if, if you go back and like see how the pieces connect that is the first night they're in there that is like them putting the first issue that they're ever publishing to bed for the first time yeah. and that's so that even within that scene with the declaration of principles thing they're kind of joking about how he's remade the paper four times because it's his first yeah. paper and he wants to get it right and that's kind of the joke is like you know they're sitting there it's like three o'clock in the morning and they're gonna have to change it one more time because he's gonna suddenly come up with this declaration and so it's it's insinuated that's chronologically what you're talking about is pretty much the next thing that happens where um yeah it's him like it's it, realizing it's not enough just to follow the news but they're actually gonna have to like get involved and kind of like make news and like kind of shirk and uh, shake stuff up to find out like yeah if there's a murder uh murder victim missing we got to find who that is it's not us uh, it's not enough for us just to sit back and wait for the new uh, for the police to find them but we're gonna have to do some investigative journalism mm-hmm. ourselves and in the in the scope of the film it's chalked up to him it's just youthful enthusiasm although taken in the movie as a whole it's the first bit of wells kind of like playing outside the boundaries of the rules to get results that he wants which is kind of his downfall because he keeps on doing that he ends up destroying everything in his life because instead of just like playing by the 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 system's rules whether it be newspaper stuff politics love and so he keeps on trying to like game the system and destroying things yeah. and this is kind of the first thing where you kind of see he's got that like oh i can just sneak around anything i can do whatever i want and i mean he kind of built a newspaper empire on that but it's also yellow journalism and people have a hard time taking him seriously editorially even though he ends up you know, having this incredibly successful and incredibly wealthy uh empire at the end but anyway yeah. So so then after the party and that there is a man. Yeah, there is. Uh, a man. He goes off to another country. Is yeah, that right? Fights Dracula. Fights Dracula. Stabs him in the chest. Wins. He's got to make news. Yeah. Charlie Foster Kane. I was going to bring back his head, but he turned to ash. So <laughs> that was problematic. Uh, I've just got his rib hot <laughs> so, nailed. So I just snorted it, and it was exhilarating. <laughs> um, but he uh, comes back, uh, and there. Everybody welcomes him back, and then he's but he's like, "I've got to go here." Pre- he acts all weird. Yeah. yeah, here's a social in thing. Put it in the paper. Treat it like anything else. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that uh, he got himself a woman, and he gonna marry her. And funny because the notice he gives to the social part of the paper is just caveman drawing of himself as a caveman, just having clubbed a woman over the head, dragging him, yeah. him back to her back to his cave. Yeah, it was really culturally like significant at the time. Because nobody had ever shown love that pure before. Nice. Uh, but so then it's on the headlines. Well, or Sister Kane. Well, you watched Citizen. the movie once. Yeah, you digested this pretty well. <laughs> I tried. Uh, Kane getting married. Oh my gosh, newspaper mogul. And then it goes to. Especially he gets he gets uh he gets married to the uh, daughter. Oh yeah, the uh, daughter. Do- no, the niece of the president. The niece of the president. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Um. 
and uh, it goes to them, him sitting, her eating breakfast at the breakfast table or dinner table, whatever you want to call it. And he sits down next to her and like, I adore you. I find you so beautiful. I adore you. I love you. And then it it cuts to a little while later, and yeah, they're a little less formal. Scene, yeah. And then it cuts and it cuts and it cuts and it cuts. And every time they get a little bit less formal, a little bit more angry at each other, and you know, it eventually. Yeah, by the end, he's it, walking around with his dick out, with like wearing only a pineapple ring around the base of his cock, just like wagging around dancing. That scene wasn't in the version I watched. Oh really? Yeah. I got the, oh, I got the so, special Blu-ray. So <laughs> director's cut. So then the the camera pulls oh. back and they went from a tiny little table sitting next to each other to oh, yeah, that's right, to yeah. sitting across from each other. And I've heard people say like this is so br- such a brilliant shot showing how they grew further and further apart from each other. That, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's, that seems like filming one on one. That's to, one of the things where Citizen Kane may have invented that. They were, but right now they it were seems sitting like... they were sitting next to each other at the beginning to show how closely they were connected <laughs> and in love. And then over time like they no grew shit. they grew further and further apart. And the t- the table the table symbol symbol their love and how it grew ever further and further apart. I'm picturing sitters and Kane at the far end of the table, half a mile away, with like just wagging his dick out a little bit with the pineapple going. Ah, you guys, seems like you have life an, is just like Ugh. you have an obsession with with Wells's. Because I like the idea of what like a different version of Citizen Kane, where like he like had fun with his money and everything he you could know, do. It was it was weird watching the movie, thinking like Wells is young for like. 15 minutes of this movie yeah. and then the rest of the time he's wearing prosthetics and looking older and it's so weird to think I, I mean, Wills was a handsome man at the time it's mm-hmm. so weird to think that he would willingly just bury himself in that bury shit bury himself yeah. in makeup and like not really be Orson Wells anymore and yeah. be this old man that, he should have taken me on my advice that his story is that he well, goes, all he needed to do was put on a mustache obviously I uh, just announce his age at the beginning of every scene so you can track it. Like, the oh, must, the mustache. now on my fifty fifth birthday. <laughs> he start. He starts with a uh, Charlie Chaplin style mustache, and, and as he gets older, it gets bigger and bigger until he's got, got a Fumanchu. Until yeah, he's got a full Fumanchu, exactly. I was gonna suggest what happens. He should have taken me off my story idea that he fights Dracula, snorts his ashes, and so he doesn't age throughout the rest of the movie. He's a fucking vampire. In the in any nighttime scenes where he's in the moonlight, he's invisible, maybe, and he can't eat garlic, but. You know, he would not need all the rest of the makeup except for the fake mustache that grows throughout the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah. then it, it's revealed that he's running for mayor, uh, and this brings up uh, another reference from The Simpsons. Oh yeah. Because oh uh, man, you know your Simpsons, Christ <laughs> Almighty. It's true. Because uh, he's standing in front of the giant photo of himself, where well, that he's, famous he's, shot, he's smiling yeah. and being like, huh? and he's got this weird double he's chin. He's a really schmuck in that scene too, because he's all about like, huh? yeah. I'll tell you a joke, everybody. Yeah, he's really bad jokes, but everybody. Yeah, I know, and everyone's like, ah, Charlie King, we love you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's a really bad photo of him, man. I, I would have gotten something better than that. He's making a question. <laughs> yeah. I'm fat face. Like, <laughs> he looks like. Like a baby that just heard a joke and farted at the same time. Because <laughs> it is like, because like, it's kind of the skinnier, more youthful kid on stage. Yeah. But then it's like 80 year old himself, like off of the picture. And it's like, wow, okay. It's like he got a blind monkey to paint his portrait. <laughs> yeah, this is like the big part of the music, like Laura Roll to your side, like looking like you fucking just like beans just shot out of your head. Um, yeah. But, I guess the 40s but, were a different age. But um, there's a scene in The Simpsons where Burn is. Running, no, where I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the one where Burns runs for mayor. I think I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, it's where he runs for mayor, and and 
uh, at the end, Marge feeds him uh, Blinky, the three-eyed fish, and he spits it out. And oh, that, yeah, okay, yeah. But uh, Burns is standing in front of basically the same type of image as as uh, of, uh, as of Kane does, yeah. giving his speech. And I think that same kind of image is used for Sideshow Bob at some point when he's running for some yeah, kind of Yeah, that is such an iconic image. It makes sense that they kind of recycled it. And they've used it in a lot of joke. stuff. Like, they've used it in Animaniacs. They've used it in Tiny Toons. Pretty much if it's a pop culture thing, they've. I'm sure they've used it in Futurama. I'm sure it's been used it's all over the place. Great, it's, also, it's also a terrible drawing of Mr. Burns in the episode. It's Mr. Burns with his eyes half open. Oh, so yeah. he's like, oh, <laughs> I'm glad to see even they kind of made the joke yeah. out of like how rotten that looks. So then um, he's like... He, um, we're already halfway through the narrative of the story. There's, yeah. yeah. His life At really starts point, to hit the shit right about here. Is he talking to Cotton or is he still talking to... He is talking to Cotton at least until he gets the second wife because the, the what drives Cotton away is the fact that yeah okay the whole, so yeah trying to make I think a, I jumped forward a little bit too far. That's so, fine. So after, we're just doing the well, overview. Yeah, after, we're not yeah, yeah after the 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 meal scene. I believe we're uh, not going shot by shot or anything. Uh, what's his name? Um, Goldman or whatever the hell his name Bernstein. is. Bernstein. The bears. Yeah, the burn. Oh, there you go. Uh, he says if you really want to know more about. Uh, oh yeah, 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 Kane, go talk to his best friend growing up, uh, Cotton Joe. Eugene, uh, Eugene Cotton Eye Joe. Um, it's kind of like because that's how he, t- especially with his old man. He's such a, like a southern yeah. like I'm from the so south. So then he goes to basically this retirement community where he finds out this guy, or no, the hospital. He finds out he's there's nothing wrong with him. He's just kind of living at the hospital because he on likes the roof it. under a bridge. Yeah, yeah he, he just kind of likes it there. Probably I, it's. You know, and he goes and visits him. I guess you could do that, like, if like, you have insurance. You got any cigarettes? No? Well, I'm old because I have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, um, and then he starts telling the story. Also, about, I guess they fucked up his makeup, and so, like, he's wearing a big visor. Yeah. It's got to kind of cover up the fact that his makeup kind of, like, just, like, I, kinda, I guess they rushed his, his, his Yeah, so then, that's, I think that's when the political stuff starts. And it's got, In earnest, it's got yeah. Wells doing the speech. Uh, but there's I can't remember when the scene happens but basically Kane meets this younger blonde lady he gets mud splashed on him by a car driving past and she laughs it's pretty much right before the whole political thing starts she's laughing he's like what are you laughing at and he's like you you're funny ow my tooth cause she's got a toothache and then she laughs again He's like, yes, it's hilarious, isn't it? I love that our our impression of this lady is Salacious B. Crumb from Brooklyn. <laughs> <She's> basically, that's <laughs> My basically, tooth. It's basically what she is. She's basically the high-pitched lady from uh, Singing in the Rain. Yeah, I know. Actually, almost like when I first saw this, I thought maybe it was the same actress. I had to look it up. It's two different people. But it, yeah. well, two like, kind of blonde hair. I'm like, nah, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. So, uh, she's like, you want to come inside and get cleaned up? I live right here. I watch like, walls. Yeah, yes, I, I suppose that'll be all right. He's like, you've really got a toothache, huh? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, it doesn't seem to bother you when you're laughing. So then he starts doing really horrible comedy to try to make her laugh. It is, especially because he's kind of older and he's kind of more washed up and it's kind of more like, hey, I'm going to make you... Tr-. Yeah, like he's going to do shadow puppets. Yeah. He's fucking... He... he you see for a it's moment, a rooster. You see for a moment, he breaks out the pineapple slice. People and, were, s- and he's he's about to put it on his dick, uh, and he thinks better of it, and that's actually what wins the day. Yeah, yeah. It's acidic. It's bad. Uh, 
people were really easily entertained back then because i mean if i did a shadow puppet for a 20 something year old nowadays she'd be like on her phone right away she wouldn't be looking at it angry birds if you're like a lady from like 1905 like 1910 like in a brooklyn apartment nothing else going on yeah although one thing she could have done to entertain herself this is something i didn't notice until last time i watched the movie she could have played with her snow globe which also just have to be sitting on the uh, it's, yeah, okay. that they actually seed it in there. That's where the snow globe comes from. So, and she owns it before anything happens. And he's like, "What do you do?" And she's like, "I want to be a singer." And he's like, "Do you have a piano?" Yeah, got one in the parlor. He's like, "Would you sing for me?" And so they go down and sing. And it's it's implied that she's not good. Yeah, she no, doesn't she, seem like she's that bad. She's not that bad. Well, she, I mean, she the wants idea to be, is that she's supposed to sing normally. She yeah. wants to be an opera singer, but she obviously doesn't have the bravado. Yeah. To get the no. But she sings a really nice song. She's not terrible, like you know. She, yeah, and he sits there all happy, go lucky, and then he's kind of happy for the first time since. Yeah. So then, after the political stuff happens, uh, he's leaving the place. By political stuff, we pretty much talking about that one scene. Yeah, the one that speech. speech. Yeah. Um, His political career because only he's lasts basically for ten minutes. Of yeah, the movie. he's basically yeah. at the end of the speech. He basically says that if when he's elected, he's going to get the guy that he's running against arrested boss and jim get his he's gonna get boss jim hogg uh, arrested and the duke boys thrown in jail as well it is kind of like that kind uh, of speech but then his, <laughs> his wife sends his, their son home because he's got a son in a different car yeah, BS kid, and she, yeah. he's like why is he going home in a different car and she's like i'm going to this address uh are you gonna come with me and he's like i'll come with you and it's the address of this blonde chick who mm-hmm, he's yeah. turned into his mistress. And they go there. And the other guy's there uh, that he's running against and acting all smarmy. Yeah. And um, it basically gets revealed that he's been having an affair with this lady. And she's like, I didn't want to call him, but he made me. Uh, and so his wife leaves. And basically, scandal, scandal, lover's nest was discovered. And his he... Uh, they need to print either one page, one paper, or the other one is Kane wins, and the other is, I do like that, is yeah. Kane loses fraud at polls. Yeah, I, so, that, that was one of the funnier moments in the movie. So, and, going, and so then that his that his uh, political career is over, and now he starts wooing and marrying. I guess it's then, pretty much that's pretty much the last time you see his first wife. Yeah, it, she, it's, it, they. Her, her and his son die in a car. That's revealed in the newsreel at the, the top of the beginning. film. And like they but never show they, up again for yeah. the rest of the movie, even as the rest of the rest of his life keeps on falling apart. Yeah, they even don't, as he's you don't like even get a reflecting funeral. Reflecting on this life, yeah. yeah. Um, the anything. script actually has more about that, but we okay. can talk about that in a bit. Uh, so then he basically uh, does everything he thinks. Sh- this blonde opera singer. I don't even remember her name. Susan, I think. I can't remember her last See, name. But, well, I guess yeah, it's... Yeah, I think yeah. they wrote it down. Susan. Like, Susan sounds right. But, um... Uh, Little Susie Q. He basically... She, like, trains her in opera and whatnot, and mm-hmm. uh, no place will hire her, so he builds an opera house in Chicago to basically have her be the lead role of... Um, some kind of Italian play or some uh, opera or some shit. Yeah, yeah and uh, apparently she's terrible. One of my favorite shots in the movie is when she's... I can't remember if it's practice or it's the first live performance, but the camera starts on her and she's singing badly and it pans up through the rafters. Yeah. 
And you see, like, the two stage hands up there just kind of, like, just hold. No, yeah. no even dialing. They like, look at each other. Kind of like, like, ooh, this guy's not going to be yeah. bad. Which is nice because. And if, you're, if, you're, if you've seen this movie multiple times, I'm getting the order way out of. No, like, I mean, you're getting, like I said, order, you're getting but... the chronic. Because, like, this movie is told, like, <clears throat> it's all jumbled up. So you're yeah. getting the basic story right. Um, it's also nice, too. Uh, that's actually kind of nice shorthand because I have a terrible ear for what is good singing or what's bad singing. At yeah. least that kind of tells you definitively, like, yeah, she's not a good singer, at least within the. At least on the level of what opera singers need yeah. to be. So I'm like, one okay, thing, well, I guess she's actually. One thing I suck. noticed while watching this, because it was still in style at the time, fur coats are silly as fuck. Uh huh. Fur coats look ridiculous uh-huh. on, on dudes. Yeah. <laughs> like when when Kane is running around in a fur coat, I'm like, yeah, it looks dumb. Like all puffed up goofball. <laughs> yeah. It looks silly. Um. Yeah. Sometimes this is a very inside, but uh, and but if I mean if you're listening to this, you probably know who he is. Sometimes Orson Welles, uh, at certain angles, looks like Justin McElroy. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's all. They're I'll definitely have the same that. Pokemon. I can kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. Young uh, Orson Welles or old Orson Welles? It, it, it varies. Just Orson Welles. Yeah, just... They both have kind of like the, like kind of like like the deep set eyes and yeah. kind of like they kind of yeah a little bit. I just from like... certain angles and doing a certain face. Again, we're not saying or Orson Welles is an attractive guy. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought it up. So if he listens to this and he starts fucking <laughs> sues us, oh, yeah. I could say yeah. technically Podca- it's on you. Yeah, huge podcast mogul. Just Macri so much time listening to. Other the shit we produce, yeah. yeah. He's, he's totally not busy enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where were we? We were... Uh, oh, building the opera exactly house. Exactly. Yeah, that, Susan's career is about the shit, the bricks. And, um... Yeah, so she gives take, her first they, performance. They, do it to, they, they end one person's story, like, with her scene, and then they show that scene kind of twice. Yeah, because uh, cause it essentially... Cotton's, Joseph Cotton's story ends. Yeah. Jed Leland is the character's name. His story ends with her performance. Oh, right. Oh, no, yeah. it ends with her performance and his starting. review. No, it ends with her... her Is her that first person? Yeah. Starting. And then he goes back to talk to uh, the chick that was drunk first. And he that's when the rest of the story starts. And she's like, you want to know about King? I'll tell you about King. I think what happens... I don't think you see... So what happens... I think you see that she's about to give the performance. And then it just cuts to... You don't see the performance, but you do see Jed Leland's reaction. And there's the whole kerfuffle about... No, review. no, that, that actually happens with her story. Does it happen yeah, with her story? Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, that's weird, okay, yeah. So then, Because you think it would happen when he's her. talking to Joseph Cotton's... I, I don't remember. Yeah. It's all out of order. Whatever, anyway, we're telling the basic story. Yeah, yeah anyway, it doesn't matter. He talks to her, and she gives the story about it, and um, that's when you see, like... He does. Know, it just makes sense he to does, anyone who hasn't seen this movie this far. You should yeah. have seen this movie. Yeah, uh, he it's does, a good movie. That's when the clapping out. gif happens, and yeah. So uh, yeah, she bombs so badly on her opening night that everyone kind of does the like polite smattering. She of can't applause. even pick up her flowers correctly from the front of the stage. Yeah, and so so Susan Cain sees that everyone else is kind of just having a milk, milk toast reaction. So he decides, well, fuck it. I built this opera house. I put her up on stage. She's gonna get the fucking applause she, she deserves. Mm-hmm. So he kind of embarrasses himself by like, yeah, clapping hard. And he do, he's the only he tries one who does it. He, doesn't try, he start, stands like, up, tries to give a standing ovation, it doesn't go. Yeah, it's not like, like the end of an 80s teen comedy where like one person clapping inspires everyone else to start standing up and clapping. Everyone's like, oh, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? Yeah. And so, yeah. So then we go to inside the newspaper. All the editors are there talking amongst each other after the performance that had just happened. Yeah. And Wells is, they're like, is the paper, is the paper out yet? And they're like, no, we're waiting on Cotton's uh, write-up of the show. 
So he's like, "Where is he?" And he's like, oh, "They're in the back." He's in the back room. <laughs> every time, every time I do a Wells impression, you get this dumb smile on your face. It's so good. It's like you're really here. It's like we're so talking then, to the back. So then Wells goes into the back room, and uh, he's the edit the. Oh, I should say this isn't happening in Chicago. This. I have watched this movie a billion times, and I'm still because the performance is suggested that it's taking place in Chicago, but everyone's back in the New York headquarters of the news building when everyone's yelling at each other. Yeah. So unless there was like a preview night that takes place in New York, and they're just gonna like open the show later in Chicago, sure. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, whatever. Because he sent Cotton off to run the Chicago yeah, because that's something that happens whatever. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, Cotton is that's asleep. Not good, yeah. He's asleep at the typewriter, and uh, his the other uh, Bernstein Bernstein. Yeah. Uh, re- starts reading the paper. The, Doesn't matter the, rev- the, the review yeah. of 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 the show, and he it's kind of yeah. Well, Khan had started to write yeah, before he passed out. Of the it's typewriter. basically kind of it wasn't very good. His Khan's got a big bottle like gin next yeah, to the He's obviously he's got obviously drunk, drunk and passed and, out. Yeah. Well, yeah. So Wells takes it and he starts laughing, and and then he starts to leave the room. And Barrison's like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "I'm going to finish this review." So then Cotton wakes up a little later, and he's like, "Um." Where's my where's my write up? Yeah, I need to finish like, this. Kane is finishing it, so he goes out there, and that is one of my favorite moments too. Because when Bernstein says, "Well, he's finishing it," and he's like, "He's finishing it," and he's like, "Yeah, he's finishing it the way you wrote it." Yeah, I guess that'll show you, and in the kind of way of like, "Oh yeah, these like this is gonna be really productive." I yeah. like Bernstein's like on Cotton's side essentially in yeah. this, but yeah. So then he goes out there, stands next to him, and he's like, "You're finishing it, huh?" And was like, "You're fired." And then Cotton leaves. And that's, you know. And that's, and, uh, then we get, well, the, the singer screaming at Wells. Some friend of yours. I thought he was your friend. I got all these other bad reviews, but your own paper writing yeah. a review. I feel like the insinuation that the review that went to print was actually a terrible review that was finished by Kane. Like, yeah. He, I wonder if he was, like, doing that to get back at her or something. Yeah, I was that's wondering a, why he. Well, that's a, his, his motivations are so, like, murky and self obsessed and so kind of like, Kane's just a because fucking if nut it, job. Because if it was, like, something that he always wanted to say to her, but he couldn't say directly so he kind of uses this guy I, as the scapegoat i always interpret that it's his way of i mean i'm i'm, I'm obviously he was hoping it would get a positive review from from joseph cotton yeah. jed leland uh but when he re- realizes that her performance was so bad that even jed leland had to be honest with him about it that he realized both in order to hurt him and well, in order to like in order to half hurt Joseph Cotton, and also kind of a weird way of trying to be honest by saying, okay, fine, if you don't think this is real, and he must have known you down, this is not going to work out. Yeah. But this is his way of, like, fine. So, well, this Sticking to his journalistic integrity, and also sticking it to Joseph Cotton at the same time by, like, oh, I'll finish your review, I'll tell so, the truth what it really is. While, that's my, that's how I always felt about it. While so. Cotton is sitting in the audience watching the show, he's, like, tearing up his playbill, yeah, like, no, yeah. flipping it back and forth and playing with it, which, when Marge... In the Simpsons, <laughs> is doing a streetcar named Desire until she comes on. That's kind of what Homer's doing with his playbill. He's like sitting there and like flipping it back and forth the same way that Cotton is. That's great. Until Lisa says it's mom, and then Homer's like, Whoop. but <laughs> that's so funny. That, like, you actually that, uh, remember that specific yeah. detail because that's like just like not even like uh, an actual gag. It's just like a little visual throw away but yeah so then she's like uh, you fired him via a letter with a thirty-two thousand dollar check. And and Orson Welles opens up a letter that was just delivered to him, and he's like, "Yes, I did," and dumps out a 
Well, we're I assume, do like they never call it out, but you just see something be, uh, fall out that's all uh, torn up. Yeah, uh, the torn up check and pulls out his letter of integrity that he had written all those years ago. Yeah, basically saying like, List "Hey of man, Draculas. list of, yeah, here's the rest. Of, here's the rest of your kill sheet." But uh, basically being like, "Hey, what happened to your integrity? You used to have yeah. Here's the, your money. Here's your principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah take it. Yeah. So uh, and." Then that's kind of like there's not much story left after that because he essentially starts building Xanadu and like hides away with like his his new second wife Susan. She stops her music career. Oh, yeah, she, she starts... does end up trying to commit suicide because uh, he keeps on even after all this debacle with Jed Leland and the newspaper and her opening oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah. I've totally forgot that she does like take a bunch of painkillers, yeah. pain, uh, pain and yeah. well. It's never specifically said suicide, but I, yeah, I, no, it is kind of insinuated. Was, yeah, I got that. With the doctor yeah, is all yeah. like, the, the doctor who tries to help. Why like, would she take so much? Yeah, yeah. It's, again, it's 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 Orson Welles or Citizen Kane continuing to be kind of like, he knows something's wrong, but he's not letting himself believe in it. He's kind of like embarrassing himself by being yeah. so willfully oblivious to what the reality of the situation is that he's forced into reality because he yeah. will not. And then he, he always has to have his own. Life. He keeps building Xanadu, and uh, she is putting together puzzles and like. Why That's really the end of the. Like, why the don't we ever go out in the town? And he's like, "Don't worry, I'll finish building Xanadu." And then all these people come in on roller skates and singing. <laughs> uh, I know. It turns into one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> But, There's not room in that place. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. But then he's like, we're going to have a picnic. And she's like, <laughs> she really, in this part of the movie, I know that he is trying, he's basically giving her what he thinks she wants without asking her what she wants. That is explicitly in the stage directions for the screenplay. That is almost a word for word what, yeah. how that stuff is supposed to be played so as. So that is but, obvious, yeah. but man, she's an ungrateful twat. And I understand by that time they've been living together for like a good decade. No, no, I know. So it's not just like five minutes later. Yeah, but he's abhorrent, but she is also abhorrent. These are both terrible people. Yeah. Like, she is super ungrateful and he is super oblivious to what she actually wants. Simple, pleasant, little, well meaning girl that she was at the beginning and the monster that she's kind of turned her, he's accidentally turned her into. That, like, then when I think about that, that she she does become more of a sympathetic character again because, like, she's essentially been tortured into being, like, this, like, fucking strung out harpy. Yeah. Um, So she's making a lot of puzzles because she's got nothing better to do. He's buying a lot of statues because. Statues? He just likes statues? He used to bind statues. It's hard to stop. I was wondering if there was some symbolism like behind... No, not that I know of. ...to the statues and all There's, that stuff. Um, actually, again, a uh, uh, little bit of a bit of deleted uh, dialogue from the original uh, the shooting script. There's a thing where he's like, why do you do that? Well, she's He's grilling her about why does she keep on doing the puzzles. And she says, why do you keep on collecting statues? And he's like, well, I guess once you start doing it, you get into the habit of it. And she's like, that's what I do with my puzzles. I think that line was in there. Is there? Oh, okay. I think, yeah. uh, all this cinematography in Xanadu is really, really nice. Really? It's yeah. weird because you can kind of tell that like Xanadu is really just kind of like a, like an empty soundstage or a warehouse where they just kind of like, here's a set, here's a giant fireplace, like a window over there. And, like, it's all just, like, empty blackness with a couple major, like, set pieces around there just to kind of give the impression of, like, this is, like, a big house. But, like, it's so you never get to see the walls or anything like that. It's all just kind of cavernous, like, almost exists in limbo, which kind of fits into um, uh, Tim Burton's visual style sometimes yeah. where things just kind of exist in the kind of a vacuum 
So then they, they, he, they go out to have this giant picnic, and there's music and live music and all sorts of crazy shenanigans happening. The um, And they're hanging out in their tent. Oh, I'm sorry. I stepped on your joke. No, no, no. This is actually real. Again, I'm only addressing this because oh, okay. I will forget about it later. Um, so the jungle background is yeah. footage from King Kong. Uh-huh. If you look in the background, I guess you can see a couple pterodactyls flying through. And oh yeah, I did notice some things. There's some kind of around. weird shit. It's not like just birds, but like yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, so and they're hanging out in a tent, and they basically start fighting. And she's like, "You always give me what you think I want, not what you want." Yeah, that's what all that. Yeah. And they wind up yelling at each other back and forth, and he winds up slapping her in the face, and then it cuts. She goes back to the mansion, Xanadu. Uh, she roller skates back there and starts packing up her things in this beautiful dance montage on roller skates. It was impressive. It was Gene Kelly-esque. With I think the, there would be time for like a 15-minute musical number at the end of this, this close to the end of the movie, but yeah. yeah. But they fit they it find in. Find a way. Uh, and then he comes in. He's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm leaving. He's, he's like, you can't leave. What would people think? She's like, it's always what people think, never what I think. And... Basically, these two horrible people have an argument, and then she walks down a long hallway, and uh, it cuts off there because that's the end of her story. And she's yeah, that's like, all she knows. Yeah, yeah she she's left like, after that. She yeah. never saw him again. She's like, if you want to learn more, go talk to the butler. He and, knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah, yeah. And so he goes and talks to this butler uh, at Xanadu when, and he's like, you want to know things? How much? <laughs> How much are you willing to pay to know these things? He is like the just like generic. You, you want to know about the bro- and so far everybody's been like, I don't know what Rosebud was. Go ask that guy. <laughs> Even though they told him this long sweeping story about Wells that or about Kane, which has nothing to do with Rosebud, they could have just said, I don't know anything I don't about know. Rosebud. I'm just like yeah, that's it. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Like I'll give you the basics of what I know about him. But yeah, shit. Uh, so, Rosebud. Yeah. So then uh, he talked. You want to know how much is it worth to you? I'll tell you things. So then we pick back up with her leaving, and we're standing in the doorway of her bedroom, um, which is obviously her room. Like they must have had separate rooms because it doesn't. That room doesn't strike. It's me very that well specifically in again in the, the 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 stage directions for the script. It very specifically talks. It's her cha- her quote unquote chamber, yeah. and it's really written cruelly because like they go out of the way to talk about how throughout the whole script wherever Susan shows up talking she, about how both how she dresses and her room how she, what terrible taste she has yeah. and how shabby of a person she is and so they talk about how her room is supposed to be filled with stuff but it's also be just shabby bric-a-brac tasteless drapes yeah. like she had it's, a lot of money uh, to buy stuff but everything she bought was just like garbage and she just packed her room with it that's the room where she went for one week a month that's where they sent her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Due to the, the biblical laws. Her monkey cage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when she got her menses. Um, it had a pit, a sandy pit in the center <laughs> of the room that they actually buried her for that week, too, yeah. on top of everything. Put the bed over it. Pretend that she didn't even so, live in that room for a week out of the month. So then uh, that's when uh, Kane goes all apeshit and starts destroying the room. And it is the a most great... Awkward and stunted stomp around anger fit. like Frankenstein. Yeah, like I can't, I can't. For some reason, I have lost the ability to bend my knees. Or uh, his move his elbows. It's I mean, like all like stiff yeah, armed. Like. It's, it's, it's surprisingly realistic the way he destroys stuff because he doesn't do it very well. He doesn't scream or shout or anything, too. No, he just like has a like, silent rage. Throws but is, stuff and he 
tries to pull some shelves off the wall, but they don't go. Yeah. Because somebody was, somebody was probably like, all right, Mr. Wills, that shelf right there, that comes off pretty easy. That shelf, that one's really in the wall. You can't pull that off. You got to leave that one alone, okay? Yeah. And he's like, yes, of course. That one and that one I can smash, but that one leave alone. And then while he's raging, he's already smashed half the room, and he, like, goes for the wrong one. And he's like, <laughs> like oh, oh, shit. Oh, no. Well, um, <laughs> I'll just, like, oh. So he smashes up the room. What well, imagine? Because like, how many times could they have shot that scene? Really? I mean, yeah, especially you yeah. know. Uh, yeah. So he smashes up the room, and everybody's kind of standing out in the hallway, kind of looking in. And then he this this is where the cinematography is really nice with him walking, yeah. all stunted, and, like past mirrors that are that are yeah, reflecting well, further. Grabs, and, he sees the snow globe on what's her face. Yeah. That's pretty much the only thing he hasn't destroyed in the whole room. Yeah. Just happens to be the snow globe, and for some reason he sees it's like filled with snow. And he's like, he picks it up. He says, "I like snow. Where's my sled?" Yeah. This and was then he puts this it in his was pocket. this was my childhood. This <laughs> was one scene in the snow. He monologues to everyone around him too. It's like, yeah. see this. This reminds me of something I can't tell you about now. Yeah, innocence so, lost. And he keeps on saying that, whispering in everyone's ear, "Innocent lost." Yeah. So lost. So he goes Jeez. and what happens after that? No, this or is, the is that it? Presumably, he goes to his deathbed. Lose open the Florida window open so snow comes in on his face and he goes rosebud and then he just drops the snow globe <laughs> and yeah so then the reporter's like so do you know what rosebud is and he's like no, I, I don't know Eighth and he's like okay that that, like, <laughs> that's not worth any money then people yeah I asked you a question at the beginning you said okay I'm gonna tell you a story and then there's no so, uh, so then they're walking God. through Xanadu and they're packing stuff up to sell it and and like you know auction off and whatever he's like why would somebody need so many statues why would you need a statue without a head all this this stuff and they're walking through and like so did you learn what rosebud was and i was like nah not really did you learn anything interesting about kane no and then they leave and then they show reenactment i can picture this in your brain the version of what this looks like and probably mostly it's just simpsons characters like "Ah, what are you talking about so then like we get a uh raiders of the ark level shot this is obviously what the the raiders lost arc was kind of inspired by yeah we see everyone's crating up stuff crates and and stuff and and, seas of crates and junk and so then they pull out a sleigh and they throw it in the furnace with all the stuff that they can't resell because it's I not worth so, anything. I guess so, yeah. Well, I guess it is just an old, it, like, 40, like 70 year old sled it, at this point. Yeah, yeah, it zooms into the sleigh and it says Rosebud on it. And you're like, oh. So the, his dying words were about a sleigh that we saw in one scene. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess. I guess like, I could snow. understand if this the sleigh from his childhood was named rosebud but this was the sleigh that the banker gave him no it's it's the one that it's it's no if you Isn't see the, it? if you really look at the one the banker gives him it's like choo choo charlie or something oh, like okay. that it's not the same one I, in fact i can't but remember. here's the, but why would you look at that so closely on your first viewing like I assumed it was that one because it looked kind of like that one. No, that's a good point because I don't know if you because well that that's right because they never actually show you what the childhood sled says because that's the whole they're they're going to give that away so uh, little baby Charlie Kane is always holding it to his chest so he can't see what it says yeah. what the what the manufacturer's label on that is. I never thought about that actually be kind of confusing because there are two sleds in that movie. Also, uh, you, how did Susan Kane have such a hard time finding a sled? It was obviously just in his basement. 
Yeah, it's not well, like he I lost he, it. I don't think he. I don't think he lost it or couldn't find it. I think that's. Yeah, he was just well, rem- reminiscing about the best times in life. Yeah. Well, that, the whole point. Or, I know that's not the, the point. whole point. It's was, not about the sled. It's, it's about, about the clitoris. Got it. <laughs> Original draft of the screenplay. Should have eaten more pussy. <laughs> that's something I never wanted to hear you whisper in my life. Especially Orson Welles, fucking mustache lips filling the screen. Pussy. Pussy. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, yeah it's man. not about the sled. It's about innocence and what could have been if he hadn't been yanked away from his loving mom by the fucking bank. Uh, well, they even say like, like, like the the, the last uh, st- the last uh, kind of exchange in the movie is the reporter guy saying, "I don't think a life can be only wrapped up in one word." I th- I'm assuming that's uh, that's probably just Wells essentially making a statement about the ending to the audience before you see yeah. what the ending is, where he's like saying, "You can't, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah." So, so. I, 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 after watching it, I can see why people at the time didn't really care for it. Because yeah. it doesn't really fit like the, your typical movie of the 1940s kind of or movie, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a movie of that era. Like, but then again, like it's more of a stage play than it is anything else, too. In terms yeah, of like the again, like, and weird. Gone cut. with the wind is a boring piece of trash, and people love the hell out of that movie. I still, I am tempted. I need to see that someday, just because I know so many people will did like it. I think a lot of people love that movie are dead now because that movie's so old. Yeah, and like even when I was a kid, like the only people I knew who really loved that movie were like old grandmas. Yeah, but and that's see, like thirty years ago. The problem is, if you watch that, I'm gonna have to watch it. I know that's what I'm saying, and so, I don't want to tw- torture myself that I mean, way. If you die and we're out of movies, and not like. In the last podcast will be myself. Maybe I'll do that. So, but I mean, I it's interesting. Like the one time, like it is when Wells first meets his second wife. Yeah, he does mention that he's going to go that w- the the carriage that he was waiting for when she meets him when he gets the mud splash onto him. He was going to head over to like the Western Warehouse to go revisit his long lost youth. Hmm. So I don't know if he was specifically going to go look for the sled or something like that. But just to think that like I don't know. What up? Uh, Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Did you like it? Uh, See, this is weird, because I don't want to make you... Because I, I like Citizen Kane way more than I ever anticipated I ever would. But it's really cool if you're just kind of like, yeah, it was a movie. That's yeah, fine. It's, it was kind of a movie. I mean, some of the shots were absolutely gorgeous, and obviously they were doing stuff that had never been done before. Like, having a face... Like, when Wells is typing on the typewriter the review... And his face is close up screen on uh, the left side of the screen, and is coming towards, and they're both in focus. And obviously, that kind of stuff had never been done before because you couldn't do that. So, and like that kind of shot, and the shot of the shattered uh, snow globe on the ground with the reflection reflection of the the nurse. nurse That kind of stuff had obviously been hadn't been done before. So I get, you know, I was expecting to watch this movie and being like, I don't get where, like all the amazing cinematography that they did for the first time, I can't see it because I'm so far removed well, yeah, from it. yeah, because everyone's taken but that stuff. Yeah, it's like... Luckily, you know. I've seen enough movies from that era that I know that a lot of this stuff hadn't been see, done before. That was my first reaction because I first saw Citizen Kane in high school because, you know, I kind of grew up as a wannabe film nerd. And, you know, growing up in the 80s, everyone's talking about Citizen Kane as the best movie of all time, so I rented it from Blockbuster, watched it, was so bored by it. I was kind of like, I didn't hate it, but I was just like, what is this? Like, I didn't see what was so special about the movie or anything like that. I think I may have rented that the same weekend I got, like, Lawrence of Arabia, too. Yeah. And the same thing with that, where I was like, yeah, I don't hate this movie, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know quite getting why people love it I, so much. But after seeing more movies and being older and kind of being able to I, appreciate a little bit more. I feel like was... this movie 
would have been better served to not be so flashback driven. Yeah. Because I feel like there were big chunks of character development scenes that were missing where like I just feel like there were there were scenes that needed to be in there with characters interacting that weren't there. Yeah. Like I I didn't always like like there should have been a more more romance leading up to the reveal of the affair. Like, those two together, there should have been more there, I feel yeah. like. See, I've and seen this movie so many times since then. The, it's hard for me to the, anticipate how I felt about that with the first like time I saw Kane this, Like, Cain and his wife, the distance yeah. growing between them at the dinner table, I mean, the the dinner table was fine, but I feel like that could have been expanded on more. I feel like a lot of, a lot of stuff could have been expanded on more yeah. and fleshed out a bit more. And if you had taken out all the, like, newspaper stuff that's in that. a huge chunk of that movie. Yeah. yeah. If you had taken all that out, you could have filled that up with stuff yeah, that like would have first, that's would like have f- made it felt better, like more roller skate musical numbers. <laughs> See, like even stuff Xanadu. like his. Now that I've seen the movie a whole bunch, I've kind of like understood like what Kane's personality is and stuff to me. To me, like it didn't seem like there needed to be any more romance between uh, his second wife and himself. Now, because once like it, all you all the fact that he likes he is amused by it was she is amused by him despite the fact that he does he she has no idea in the world who he yeah, is. I think he liked that. Like yeah. that's it's more about that than any kind of actual romance, but what his picture of her like this is pretty much the last person on the planet who's never heard of him and yeah. is not attracted to him for his money and who he is that he even if she was even a bigger idiot like she would he would still be like oh this is a precious thing i need to hold on to this but that's only if it doesn't yeah it's only if you've seen the movie and like read all the making of shit about yeah they're like their romance still their romance still wasn't as ham-fisted and haphazard and forced as the romance quote-unquote romance in la noir that video game has the worst like when he cheats on his wife with the singer she is that a th- I it's a singer and don't you see remember her like anything twice about that movie because it's, it's not a movie it's a game or that game it's, it's so cinematic what's the difference I hate that game that's <laughs> like oh man yeah that's that's this is obviously where they got the inspiration for that plot point in like L.A. Noir from this mm-hmm. and they did it so poorly okay oh that game I hate that oh, game doesn't get busted and yeah it's the same thing where he gets busted for having an affair okay, and kicked yeah. out the court for which is funny because it, that Citizen Kane would have been in theaters the same time that movie actually takes place uh, I find it interesting that real life old ass Orson Welles looks so much cooler than old ass Orson Welles and Citizen Kane. Like he looks oh, like I such know, a frumpy dumpy dude in this, but real Orson, Welles, real Orson Welles had like those cool streaks in his goatee and stuff, and his streaks well, in his hair. They did a pretty good job of projecting even, what they thought like twenty five year old yeah, Orson even though, would look like. Even though but... he kind of. When he got old, he kind of turned into a blumpkin. He still was. He still looked cool with his yeah, yeah, suits and he stuff. Looked, he looked, you know, dapper. Did you ever see that pilot, the unaired pilot of the Orson Welles talk show from like 1977? No, it's on to, YouTube. I need to go hunt that. They out. only filmed the pilot because it was so bad. They were like, we can't do this. But I think he's got like the Muppets and a whole bunch awesome. of stuff. It's great because he's like in a big lapel, and instead of just a normal talk show where he's up on stage talking to people from the stage, it's in the round. So he's in the middle of a whole bunch of people, and he's kind of treating it like it's like, oh, you're just guests at my home dinner party. I'm going to tell jokes, and it's going to be, oh, everyone, you can laugh at my joke. And they're all asking him questions about his career and stuff like that. And this is even before he starts interviewing anybody, so it's mm. very kind of schmucky and kind of like, but still Orson Welles kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's charming so, and horrible at the same time. So tell me things about this movie, Bill. I don't um, know. This is the movie Batman's parents saw before they got murdered. Oh, no! Uh, this is There's birds outside my window. It won't shut up. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of 
the crazy stuff. Um, well, you've read the manuscript and stuff, or the. the what do you want to know? Scripts, oh, so. well, so okay. Uh, so my basic questions to you, even before I started getting into mm. technical stuff. Uh, yeah, my one of my first questions was particular parodies that you remember to recognize while watching the film. All so, Simpsons related. Yeah. Well, not not all Simpsons, but a lot of Simpsons. Uh, did knowing what Rosebud was affect? Anything how you felt the movie? Well, on. I knew. I, no one can watch this movie without knowing what the, yeah. the twist is. Quote. Well, I'm sure there are plenty of people that don't know even what Citizen Kane is. But That's a yeah, good point, no, yeah. knowing what Rosebud was, watching the movie, they're like, I can't figure out what Rosebud is. I'm like, I'm gonna be disappointed. Uh, was the story easy to track? Is it bounced around between uh, perspectives and time periods? Yeah, pretty easy. I, I, I mean, you retold the story perfectly without only watching one. Not time. perfectly, but uh, well, yeah. Uh, did the opening opening newsreel deflate any of the drama at all? Since it tells you what's everything's gonna happen. I, I feel like the opening newsreel kind of helped clear up certain things. Like the fact that Kane's wife and son died in a car accident. It makes more, yeah, especially if you watch the movie and then go back and watch it a second time just for the newsreel. You kind of see how things fit together a little bit better. But yeah, because yeah, like, yeah, his his wife and son disappear from the movie entirely. And all you have to go back is like, oh yeah, I remember at the beginning they said they died in a car wreck. Like, I guess maybe just a couple years after his political yeah. career died up. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a little... Yeah, I, I that's one of the things I do like about the movie so much. It is so fractured, but it hangs together if you kind of like figure out how chronologically it yeah. works. But like, yeah, I just I love any kind of fake news, timey newsreel stuff anyway. <laughs> so like the fact that like is of that era, but still kind of like nah, yeah. like lots of weird double negatives and stuff like that in the writing. Um, did any of the technical breakthroughs that the movie is famous for? Uh, seem noticeable or ostentatious and specifically I'm talking about like all the models the matte paintings the push through the neon sign at the club that the uh. drunk wife is working at because if you notice it actually flies right through the neon <laughs> they, they I guess that was split so they had oh, to pull okay. it apart uh, same thing with the deep focus uh, theatrical framing in the cabin when Kane, Kane is a kid um, oh, yeah, you yeah. see that like he's yeah you kind of even mentioned this how he's playing out in the snow and you can see him perfect focus while his parents are, are talking with the banker and that scene starts off with, it's just a shot of Charlie uh, Kane in the snow, and it pulls back, and you realize you're actually, the camera's pulling back through the window. Yeah. And it actually, um, they had actually, the, the table that the mom is sitting at where she signs the papers away, where she's essentially signing away Charlie Parker, or Charlie Parker, well, him too, <laughs> Charlie Kane, um, was actually a split table uh, that the camera could actually fly through as it was pulling back from Charlie Kane outside the window that they had to reassemble right before it became into view so she could sit down at that table and start signing papers and start talking to the dad who's like oh here's my you know they pretty much have that whole scene in one shot yeah. but it's funny they had essentially essentially assembled the table and the table and the lantern that's like sitting on the table like right before like you see it visible so I guess they had to shoot that like 20 times or something all while the kids in the snow outside playing and you can see him with the sled and all that stuff but again a lot of that <laughs> stuff like you the... don't notice unless I You're like watching the, the making of, but he's the only one out there. But he's playing he's with playing other by people. Himself? Yeah, <laughs> he built the snowman. He yeah. had lots of imagination, and he's like throwing snowballs at people. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. yeah, like that. Oh, fuck you, you, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have no. But he's the only one out there. It's so. a prequel to South Park. Really, oh, okay. he's the first Cartman. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. No I, one I wants was, to play with him. He's yeah. just all by himself. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I noticed the technical stuff out there. But, yeah, you yeah, get a lot of that stuff. Well, like, like I think of my appreciation for the movie 
kind of grew as the more I realized the technical stuff in there that I didn't really appreciate the first time seeing it. Mm-hmm. And so from that technical, like, look at the map. I just even watching it again, I love the map paintings at the beginning when they show how, like, kind of empty and fucked up Xanadu is. Kind of reminds me of a Castlevania game a little bit because yeah. it's a whole fucked up castle that's kind of rotting, even though it's, like, in Florida. I love, like, kind of theatricality of, like, how rotten, rotted out his golf courses, like, little tattered flags and stuff. And... I don't know. So, I don't know why I like that movie so much, but I love any movie where the protagonist is also his own worst enemy, which, again, technically you could say that's the same for Magnificent Ambersons, but that character's so one-note despicable, whereas at least Kane has some dimension dimensionality to him. Yeah, I don't feel like, for Kane, I don't feel like his, his uh, journey to being worse and worse and worse really was a journey i feel like his journey he was fine and then he was worse like as soon as the political stuff happened he was kind of terrible okay i feel like there wasn't a a slow gradual oh he's kind of a fun loving guy there is a man his name is citizen kane um (laughs) and then i feel like he's yeah there wasn't a, a a gradual slope to him being coming awful i feel like he was just kind of awful yeah, and again, because I've seen the movie sometimes, it makes more sense because I like I've the way it's kind of built up into my head. It makes more sense. And like I was already kind of predisposed to like this anyway. Because once I watched it, I was when I was older, I was like, oh, I actually do kind of like this a little more. Yeah, I don't. And then now, like now that I know the story more inside, it's like like again reading about like all the trivia and stuff. I kind of understand what like maybe there were some cutscenes or like scenes they wrote in the the screenplay, like stuff like it's interesting. Like the original screenplay I have over there, like his son actually in in the shooting script. Um, I don't know if they actually filmed it, but his son didn't die as a kid. His son dies right before he dies at the end of the movie. Hmm. Um, there's a whole scene that was going to take place. It was almost the last scene of the movie. It, actually, it's part of the butler's story at the end. It's the last story he tells before... Uh, it, I guess it would have been his last bit of the story because it's even after Susan leaves. After Susan leaves... Um, you see inside Xanadu, there's the Kane family crypt that Kane has built... And it's got his, his, it's got his two parents, which are presumably already dead. It's got his first wife, who I guess maybe did die in a car crash or whatever. She's already buried there. His son, for some reason, who's like in his 30s at this point, has also just died. And you see, like, they're just filling up the crypt that says Charles Foster Kane too. And you see, like, the last space on the crypt is what's going to be Kane's future burial site, which is going to be happening pretty soon because it's like old, the oldest Kane you ever see in the movie, at least according to the shooting script. And kind of like the grave digger who's like like just like cementing over the the, the plot of his son, um, asks him. There's like some kind of weird like Chinese poetry on this like crypt, the wall of the crypt that they're all standing in. He's like, "What is that?" And like Citizen Kane goes off and says like, "Oh, this I this wall for this crypt I took from a, like a mausoleum in China, and this is from the from a mausoleum from a Chinese king." And he reads this long like page and a half long poem about like. Oh, everything's gone and empty and dead, and no matter how much you fight, you know, like death's always gonna get you and stuff like that. It was like it seems actually kind of the climax of the film because it's essentially it's it's Kane in front of his own grave, talking about death and time always runs out and stuff like that. And and there's there is more attention paid to the fact that his own son just died and being a little more reflective about everything that he lost, but they kind of cut that out, so there's not like so there was a little more connective tissue in the original screenplay, but I don't know for. I'm saying you're completely justifying how you feel. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't well, notice that I, so much because I've read I, all this background stuff. So, so it kind of fits together a little bit better for me. I don't feel like, after watching it, I understand 
the admiration for it, but I don't feel like this would ever go in any of my top. That's fine. Top lists. Would it go in yours? Would you eh, go in one of your top like movies top, of all time? Well, maybe top ten, maybe. It's no Back to the Future. It's no Rushmore. It's no Fire <laughs> Strikes Back. That's what I'm saying. But it's one of those things where I can say, like, I think Citizen Kane is a, I'm, as, I'm surprised to hear myself, Bill Mudrin, say, Citizen Kane's a good movie. I really do like it. It's yeah. one of my favorite movies, definitely. I don't know if it's, like, one of my... If I ever drew up a list of what it would be, I don't know if it would If you be put on. all your, like, DVDs and Blu-rays in, in order of... If I had to say, like, 25 of, of those Blu-rays, it'd probably be in there. Yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know. But it's something you'll watch, pop in now and then. Every once watch, in a while. Yeah. Like, it's... The little Citizen King gets, gets you a long way. It's not like every Christmas I gotta pop in... I gotta see y'all Charlie King now, get this, fucked up. This didn't go over very well, did it? Yeah, so this is the thing is, like, so... Uh, I mean, it went over better than the Ambersons. Yeah. Uh, so this was based off... Of, loosely based off the life of Charles... Wait. William Foster Kane? William Foster... Wait, no, wait. Uh, Hurst Kane. Who's the guy? Um, Hearst was a real newspaper ma- uh, magnet. He was essentially... Man, actually, even to these days, if you're watching the news, uh, when the news signs off, you'll see like your local news station affiliate will be like property of the Hearst Corporation. Mm. That's this guy. It's... Um, now, I know I've heard... Why did Wells hate him so much? Didn't actually hate him. Oh, it's William Randolph Hearst. Um, didn't hate him... Uh, I don't think he'd ever actually even met Hearst. Uh, what happened was, so after after War of the Worlds, uh, the radio thing in 1939, uh, Wells became, well, he was already kind of famous as a news guy to begin with, but the uh, War of the Worlds thing made him super famous to the point that he got the attention of Hollywood. And Hollywood was like, man, if you could freak out the people that badly with the War of the Worlds broadcast, we want you to make a movie for us. And they said, we're going to give a million bucks. You get a blank slate to do whatever you want. Just because we who, like, we want Orson Welles's Whatever your vision of a picture is. Just go crazy. And so um, Orson Welles sat down with a friend of his, uh, Herman Mankiewicz. And they... I think at first originally they were thinking about maybe doing a movie about the life of Jesus. They had a bunch of ideas. They are trying to do something that would be a grand statement about society and people... And at some point, I think it was Herman Mankiewicz, his co-writer, who uh, he was actually fr- he was friends with Hearst. Uh, specifically, he was even actually friends with uh, Hearst's wife, who was the, also the role model for Susie, the drunken singing lady, who she was known for being kind of withdrawn and drunk. And she was like a, like a failed Hollywood star, not a singer, but essentially the same story, who spent all of her time locked up in Hearst's castle playing puzzles by her, like putting together puzzles all by herself. And that's the lady who's, she had the rosebud and all that yeah. stuff. And so most of that, actually, the bones of Citizen King came from this Mankiewicz guy who was friends with uh, yeah. Orson Welles. And Orson Welles just kind of came in and kind of, like, polished it up. But, like, it was more him. And the fact, by virtue of the fact that he knew these people, he was like, well, if you want to if you want to tell, like, a broad-sweeping story about someone who's, like, really affected, like, politics and culture in America, you maybe you could do something about this guy. And so they essentially, like, did, like, a half-assed biography of Hearst that, you know, really fictionalized. It's funny because, yeah. like, actually Hearst's life story is actually more reflects Orson Welles' backstory than even Kane's because Kane, Welles was rich. He grew up in a rich family. Mm-hmm. Not nearly as rich as Hearst because Hearst's, uh, Hearst's dad owned a gold mine. 
and made, it was literally like hundreds of millions of dollars that that, that the Hearst family was worth. Well, Wells was just upper class, but he wasn't like world class, like super rich, but enough that Wells could kind of grow up like abroad. Um, supposedly, like he based some of Georgie and magnificent Ambersons on himself by like going off to school and kind of like you know being all like rambunctious. And of course, he played that essentially same kind of character as you know young Kane in this movie too. Uh, but so it's kind of a weird. So Citizen Kane kind of turned out to be half kind of portrait of William Randolph Hearst, and also a little bit of like Wells projecting himself a little bit. Mm. And so, yeah, it's not like he had a particular axe to grind with Hearst as much as, like, he did not really approve of the newspapers having such a stranglehold on the opinions uh. of Americans and stuff like that. And Hearst was known to play play real political hardball with people. And so, yeah, it's, it's not like one particular axe. It was just, like, Lens was just a... Uh, uh, Hearst was just a uh, lens through which Wells could kind of focus his creative energies. But, yeah, he didn't necessarily have a thing against Hearst. And did you ever see Deadwood? No. Oh, there's a character, Hearst. Hearst's dad shows up as a villain in the second season of Deadwood, who shows up as he's claim jumping gold miner guy. You essentially get to see the fortune that Hearst passes on to the the other Hearst, which becomes the you know the inspiration for Citizen Kane. But when did when did this movie start? becoming like oh it's actually really good when did people actually start thinking about that so the the reception of this movie so okay so you have Hearst who's in control of the old newspapers in 1941 when this movie came out movie actually does come out but Hearst is successful in essentially blacklisting this movie into pretty much not existing and not coming out the movie won a couple Oscars for like best screenplay and stuff but after one it showed in a couple theaters won a couple Oscars but Hearst was able to essentially bury the movie until he was dead and he died like in the mid 60s and as soon as he was dead, then suddenly people were like, "Well, now that he's dead, maybe we can start getting a look at this Citizen Kane movie that like has been hasn't has not been seen by anyone since it was first in theaters in like two theaters in 1941." And that's when the Renaissance started of like people going back and actually seeing Citizen Kane for the first time for most people and going, "Oh yeah, this is actually a pretty good movie. It's not just a hatchet piece against Hearst, but like it's half kind of autobiography of." wells and it's weird and like uh it's it's it, that's that's essentially when it started like really building and by like when i was a kid in the 80s 20 years after kane be kind of re, re came back in the limelight it had ascended to like this is the best film of all time and now it seems to be kind of like on the decline a little bit where people still say it's a good movie but yeah it seems like people are trying to oust it a little bit which is fine you know it's like the best movie of all time it always has to be the same movie but you know avatar does. oh so That's good. Avatar 2 coming. Uh, when, did you buy the tickets to go see the Disneyland Avatar Land yet? Have you bought your tickets yet? Did you know this was still happening? Did you know this was going to be a thing? What the hell are you talking about? Walt Disney World is building an Avatar Land. Oh, I think They signed on to do this like six that. years ago when they thought people would still care Oops about Avatar. doodles. Yeah. They're, uh, something tells me they're going to work really hard to make it look like a Star Wars Land just in case they want to change it. Just change it to, it to Smurfs. <laughs> It's basically the same. Or just no, just change it to Poca- just change it to Pocahontas. That's a good point, actually. It's, it's the same, same story. fucking story, yeah. So okay, so that's how Citizen Kane essentially, yeah, got pulled out of the closet and kind of pulled back in the limelight and kind of make him a famous thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I guess I mean. It's yeah. Okay. It's a it's a Kane. It's a good Citizen no, Kane. It's no. I was uh, a little disappointed there were no Canes in Citizen Kane, but other than that, that's tr- there's there are no Canes. Is there any sugar cane? There's a scene in The Simpsons where <laughs> <laughs> there, there's like some. You know movie, what? Some we movie. We gradually start changing the focus. This podcast is like 
<laughs> what does Simpsons do about this? There's a scene where like they're <laughs> movie memorabilia, and Lisa Simpson goes, "Hey, it's the cane from Citizen Kane." Wait, there was no cane in Citizen Kane, <laughs> and there wasn't. Wugga wugga. Uh, did you notice that one of the statues Kane has at the end is a, v- a gummy Venus de Milo? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's in the background. That's where it came it. from. Oh my gosh. So yeah, okay, I'm glad to see you didn't hate Citizen Kane. No, but I, I also didn't. It's always, it's, you know. It's fine enough for what it is. What are you going to do next time? What's your next episode going to be about? Uh, Dr. Strangelove. Man, what's up with old black and white movies in you? I've seen a lot of them, but I, I, I... I was just looking at a list of like the top... Somebody put up a list of the top pulp culture movies of all time and I was like oh Dr. Strange Love was one my dad really liked and I never okay. got around to seeing it so I figured and I the only uh, what's oh man his butt, I'll have to watch it again too yeah what's his butt the guy that directed it uh, um, Kubrick Kubrick the only movie of his I've ever seen is Eyes Wide Shut oh and, wow and I hated that yeah, so that's not a good movie so so I want to see what like a I, movie that people actually like would, I am not would a Kubrick this. fan I've seen a lot of his movies I, uh, oh well, well not a lot, I, I've, seen, some. I've seen The Shining which have you I seen AI yeah, I know that's that. A good Kubrick. Movie. Yeah, I know that's a. <laughs> I like the way you made like, really got shitty fucking taste. You made me watch it as a cane. You made me fucking. No, I, I'm fine with watching Citizen Kane. I, that well, was my choice. I was almost tempted. You made me watch Lightning and Hefferson Ambersons, which I hate you oh, for. But <laughs> I, I've never seen Paths of Glory or Bear Linden, and I was almost tempted to do that in conjunction with you. But I don't want to chase after you like every time like you choose something like because you said Citizen Kane, and we're like, I'm gonna watch Magnificent Ambersons then, just because you're watching Strange Olive. I don't want to be like, well, I'm gonna watch Bear Linden then. Yeah. So that's so, my Animaniacs. So, so that, I'm giving you excuse to watch a Manny Yeah. Maniacs. So as opposed to Magnificent Ambersons, people have a much easier time finding Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Fighting and, uh, mm, fuck and the bomb. accept the bomb or whatever. James Earl Jones is in that movie oh. for two seconds. He plays oh. a firefighter pilot. So so that'll be uh, two weeks. Yeah. And have you seen any movies with what's his face, the guy who plays the makeup guy, the fucking Peter Sellers? I think I've, yeah, like I've seen that. one of the Pink Panthers. There's, okay. I've seen one of them, but I don't remember which one Man, it was. Yeah, that still bums me out My dad kid. was a big fan of his. I'm still bummed that those movies aren't about the panther. Because <laughs> I loved the cartoon as a kid. Oh, the cartoon was awful, man. I know, it was terrible, but that, it had that great sound that, effect. Whenever people fall out. That era of animation is yeah, one the of the 70s, worst like, eras uh, ever. When Tom, They made Tom and Jerry friends and they wore bow ties. The music was kind of cool. It had that jazzy kind of like uh, Ugh, Mancini. No, oh, no. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so you'll have... Bill warned you kind of about it on the Magnificent Ambersons. Uh, he's trying to get through a bunch of Animaniacs. We'll see how many episodes he actually gets through. I'm, I told him he can fast forward through the buttons and menus. I'm going to try to blast through the first... This, there's 65 episodes in the first season. I'm going to see if I can ta- can't tackle that in two weeks. I, I, I'll be content if you get through like 30. Oh, okay. Don't feel too much... That's like, only like 15 hours. If you start to get burnt out and be like, oh, oh yeah, I'm not going to force of it. These. I just... Well, again, the point of this so long, podcast is us learning about stuff, becoming more conversational and stuff, yeah. especially when it comes to TV shows. We don't necessarily have to be completionists yeah. about it. Yeah. If you've seen enough to disqualify it being a topic of this of this podcast, which is us catching up on stuff we've never seen before, I can officially say after 30 episodes of Animaniacs, yes, I've seen Animaniacs. Yeah. Fuck that shit. <laughs> or that shit was awesome. Where's more Animaniacs? You'll probably be like, some of it was good, some of it wasn't. Yeah. That's that's well, my this... prediction. What's your prediction for me and Doctor Strange? Let's do that. Let's let's start predicting each other's stuff. Uh, hmm. What's I your... think you'll be okay. I think you'll be like, eh. Yeah. Just because our, our tastes are linear enough, kind of similar enough that I was kind of like, eh. I don't know about that. I mean, really? there's some stuff you well, love. Well, no, that... there are some kind of divergent, but like. <laughs> there's definitely hardcore divergent. Neither of us like Eyes Wide Shut. 
well, yeah. So just the, as a branching point from that. Okay. <laughs> then again, I haven't seen Strange Love in like 20 years, so yeah. I need to go back. Again, like, I, well, I haven't seen Citizen Kane in 25 years when I first saw that, and I kind of liked it better than I did back then. So, yeah. so we'll see what happens. But you've got two weeks from, from this podcast to see... <laughs> the one that you only have to spend two hours to watch. Yeah. And you've got a week to ingest a ton of Animaniacs uh, if you haven't seen it before. Can I change my vote to Batman Animated Series midstream? Can that's just back? as long. I know, but There's it's just that, as much as that. That's even more critically acclaimed. Uh, nah, we'll go. Well, you've already started Animaniacs. Well, this is the thing that got me because now we start attacking Man Animaniacs. I'm thinking about all these 90s cartoons I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Gotta catch up on some fucking Disney Afternoon. Mm-hmm. I've seen DuckTales. I've seen Gummy Bears. I haven't seen the other stuff. Yeah. That's why. But Batman, we've what got, else did I miss? We've got a lot of holes that need filling, Bill. Oh, we've got so many holes. They're like yes. fucking Swiss cheese. That... Holes! Oh, God, Empty yeah. Empty holes. We'll fill them with that pulp culture goodness. Yeah. And we'll be back next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, until next time, fill your holes with pop culture goodness. Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs> To, to do a news on the march. No, I was going to do an ad. Here we are. I was going to throw it to one of our sponsors in the middle of the podcast. Or our sponsors be. Our sponsors. Uh, I'll tell you because so you won't laugh in the background. Our sponsor was going to be. <laughs> this week we're sponsored by the Safeway Deli. The Safeway Deli, when it absolutely, positively has to be a bowel obstruction. Safeway's Deli. Safeway Deli kind of fuck you up a couple times. <laughs> no, I just. <laughs> Should it not be uh, Mrs. Fishman's peas grow there? <laughs> Mrs. Fishman's peas grow there. Oh, God, yeah. Fucking <laughs> loves it. Cattle country. Um, we know a little fjord. <laughs> I actually really like how those commercials are written. They're kind of like, yeah, he's like the, 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 the snow on the crops. That's the show whole, me how to do that. That's the show, fun of it. Tell me how to do that, and I'll I'll drop to my knees and I'll blow you. Your your friends in the depths of their ignorance. I totally cannot do in a Wells voice. That, there's such a very specific baritone to that. Yeah. Well. That's the problem I have with Wells is I could do it up here, you know, for a younger, or I could do it down here, and I'm not sure where the pitch of the voice is for Wells, you know, these these changes sometimes, you know. So oh, okay, it's, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard for me to. I know guess he has a little hyper when he's younger. It's funny because he doesn't. He may, he's such a funky looking Cause, I mean, old when man. He's, and he's fat and old, he's old, and he comes in his, to Transformers recordings like, so here you have me playing a planet. <laughs> Well, yeah. Talking through a mouthful of gravy. <laughs> oh, good luck. There's a French fry stuck in my beard. But yeah, uh, we're I'll already... just take a few for the road. Poor Orson Welles. Yes. He they're really... even better when they're frozen. Orson Welles really never bounced back from Citizen Kane, did he? That was kind of like that was the apex of that dude's career, huh? I guess. That's yeah. Alpha and Omega for that motherfucker. Yeah, so anytime, I guess. Yeah, we can start right now if you want. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, if you want, oh, if you, you've been recording this whole well, time. Well, I record just in case, but like, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, if you want, do you want to do the intro? Or should I do the intro? I'll do it again. Yeah, okay.